This is Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jessica Nam. And this is Jamal Dajani. Jamal, we have a great show today. We have some amazing in-studio guests. And the context for today is the tragedy and silence and complicity of what's happening in Palestine. And we're going to be talking about the 750 Palestinians living in Gaza that were injured, the 15 that were murdered, the land day mass protests that occurred in Palestine, but also the lack of any kind of coverage of the murderous uh, rampage that the Israeli military uh, perpetrated on Palestinian nonviolent protesters in the Gaza Strip. We know that 15 Palestinians in Gaza were brutally murdered, some while they were praying, by the way, and about 750 were injured. And this being one of the most egregious examples of Israeli aggression occurring, there was absolutely no coverage of this event anywhere on the mainstream media, let alone even on some of the, quote, more progressive uh, media sites in the United States. We're going to be talking about what's happening in Palestine, what happened in Palestine, as well as the media silence and the complicity with the Israeli uh, silence on this. And what's better to talk to someone who's been there and someone who's been there, not and just not, back. not those uh, what I call falafel experts who never been there and don't they speak just, Arabic and don't speak Arabic. They don't know the language. They don't know the history. And all of a sudden they become experts on uh, in the U.S. media. But also before we start, I want to talk, you know, you talk about the silence and, and the silence is well, really especially it's deafening. Know, it's deafening. It's it's not just in the media, but also when we have right here in the United States, 535 members of Congress only three members said something about the massacre massacre of more than I think seventeen Palestinians 17 and now. and the injury twenty now died and then and then you have hundreds who were injured and Almost, yeah, on, a, on a, and every single day. So with us in the studio, familiar face right here, Dr. Rabab Abdul Hadi. Dr. Rabab Abdul Hadi, she is the uh, director of Ahmed at San Francisco State University and professor of ethnic studies. Also, Jaime Veve, the uh, retired. Uh, oh, Jaime's not retired. He's, he's reti- he, well, he's a, he likes to be a retired. He's an, act- he's an activist. Union, union organizer. organizer, but also he is a full time activist. And, and has and, been so for decades. And both of them, just to let everyone know, just recently, when did you come back? Just, just they've returned Monday from Palestine. They've been all over the West Bank, and they've uh, had a lot of. Uh, uh, they had the program teach in in Palestine, where they actually taught at two different or the two largest universities in in Palestine, and Najah University and Birzeit University, and of course they happened to be there when these atrocities were ongoing in Gaza. Welcome again to Arab Talk. So, uh, Rabab, let's start with you. Put into context, if you will, the context of what Land Day is, what it means to Palestinians, and why there is something called Land Day in Palestine. Yes, uh, Land Day, uh, the Day of the Land, uh, was uh, organized, initially initiated in 1976 by uh, the Committee to Defend Palestinian Lands, which is a committee organized by Palestinians inside Israel. 
This is the Palestinian community that Israel was not able, the Zionist movement was not able to displace in 1948. It was 150,000 people who, were, who remained in Palestine, 750,000 to 800,000 Palestinians were displaced in 1948 in what we know as Nakba. Ended up in 59 refugee camps throughout Jordan, Lebanon, Syria. And, uh, and uh, Jordan, which was actually controlled the West Bank and uh, the Gaza Strip. And today, the, in 1976, because of Israeli continued expropriation of land, people only think that Israel is building settlements and expropriating land in the West Bank. Actually, this is not true. Israel has continued to take lands from Palestinians who are Israeli citizens in the Galilee, in the uh, what they call mixed cities now, as well as in the Nakab area, which is the, 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 the largest uh, area of the desert in the south of Palestine. So in 1976, Palestinians came together and they organized a big protest march from Sakhnin, the village of Sakhnin, to the village of Arabe. And in that march, Israel killed six Palestinians. Six Palestinians were martyred who were actually engaged in a peaceful protest. And many people participated in it. So since then, every year, Palestinians inside what they call the Green Line inside Israel, who are citizens of Israel, commemorate this Day of the Land. And the Day of the Land has become a very important occasion for all Palestinians because majority of the Palestinians don't have their lands, they're refugees, they're displaced. Uh, Palestinians in the West Bank, their land has been taken over and over and over for more settlements despite the facade of Oslo. And also Palestinians in, in Gaza are living in an open-air prison and majority of the people in Gaza are actually refugees from 1948. And in the, in, in the 48, in the Galilee, continued, we heard stories after stories after stories about people losing their homes. The, until today, their homes are being destroyed. We also visited the uh, what what they call the unrecognized villages in the Nakab community and including Umm al-Hiran, which Israel is going, has actually a, a demolition order, and they are going, they're trying to demolish it within 30 days. And last year, on the day of the land, Yaqub Abu Al-Qiyan, one of the citizens there, was killed by the Israelis. We went to visit his, his uh, widow and his family, and we also, Hiran, they want to destroy it and put in its place an Israeli settlement called Hiran, funded by the Jewish National Fund. So we attended and went, so we went, when we went to Nakab, we also visited another community, Al-Araqib, which has been demolished 126 times. And there was a protest, we stood with the people who are there, the mayor and so on. But today in the Day of the Land, we intended our, our uh, tour, study tour of Palestine to begin with the conferences at Birzet at Najah National University, organized with the universities themselves, with the president's offices, with the Ibrahim Abu Lughud Institute for International Studies, with the Institute for Women's Studies at Birzet and at Najah, with the College of Education, with the dean of the College of Education and the president's office and students and faculty from. And we intended to continue the study and end on the day of the land. So on March 30th, we were actually driving from Nazareth to Sakhnin to participate in the in the day of the land and there is a radio station Palestinian radio station that broadcast was coming and we started hearing what, what was going on in Gaza it wasn't just Gaza that was attacked there were actually attacks on multiple communities yes. in in in, in uh, Turmus Aya uh, near Nablus uh, near Hebron everywhere there were attacks everywhere Israel went on a rampage again, again to try to stem the tide of Palestinian resistance and insistence to stay on their land these are people who are saying we would like to return to our land we want to we just want to be able to, to return to our land we want to be able to live peacefully to have our connection with the land and what the response of israel has been is to kill them to shoot and hundreds of snipers were on the borders of gaza
Well, uh, you know, talking about the snipers on the borders of Gaza, and of course, uh, yesterday, you and I and uh, Jaime were on a panel at San Francisco State University, and I've asked the students, many of the students, if they've heard of the word PEP, which is, nobody knew that, which is progressive, except for Palestine. And I keep going back again to talk about why is everyone silent about the massacre? And also to, to, to say, you know, all these so-called progressives historically saying, you know, if only Palestinians would demonstrate peacefully, they'll have their country back. Time and time again, if I had a nickel for every time they said that, if only Palestinians demonstrate, you know, peacefully, Jess, well, they'll get their land back. But and here's when the, they demonstrate peacefully, what did... What happened? But, but hold on. Let's let's really talk about the subtext. The subtext is Palestinians should not resist, and that when they say, you know, just be nonviolent, what they're really saying is be submissive, accept your role as being occupied, and go away into, in, into the history. It's it's a complete kind of uh, you know uh, an attempt to subvert any kind of Palestinian resistance. It's a fake. Yeah, well, aside from the point, every every society, this is, this is the inalienable right for every society to resist its occupiers, its oppressors. But... Except for Palestinians. Except for Palestinians. But assuming that Palestinians have this exceptional, uh, I guess, uh, dictated, dictated rule that they should only demonstrate peacefully and they shouldn't uh, resist the occupier even when this happens they get massacred and those who say that remain silent and shame on all of them shame Shame on on all the politicians shame on all the progressive media with some exceptions shame on the so-called progressive activists they have remained silent they have remained silent I want to actually bring bring uh, Jaime Jaime And uh, I want Jaime to talk about his experience. Jaime, of course, was part of the delegation that went to Palestine. For those who have joined us, uh, and Jaime now. is a uh, uh, is, yeah, he he is not just an OG. He's the real G, and uh, has been a longtime activist, community organizer, labor organizer in New York, and and you know, in the belly of the beast. And Jaime, you were just in Palestine. Tell us what your experience was. Well, before I do that, I, I kind of like to just make a note that uh, if if we look at the history of the Palestinians, their history is one of, of, of resistance, demonstration, and history of nonviolent, peaceful resistance throughout the turn of the 20th century up until the present time. But what gets depicted is a distorted picture of Palestinian resistance Uh, as in the case of people in this country who respond to police brutality, police murders. And it's always depicted that it's the uh, poor, oppressed people who react irrationally, who react violently, who are the ones that create provocation. When in actuality, it's the power structure that creates the provocation. And when we look at the media, and especially the preeminent press, like the New York Times, when they do report what happens, they try to make it seem that somehow there's an equal balance between the two parties so that allegedly the, uh, the Palestinians provoked the snipers 
into shooting them. Well, look at just what you said, Jaime, provoking a sniper. That's right. Just look at the structure of that statement. I mean, why did they have snipers there to begin with? Exactly. Hundred snipers. snipers. And so the idea like they're snipers are not used for defensive purposes. Absolutely. It's all preset. Premeditated. Premeditated. So I would like to say that, for example, uh, when we think of uh, the public here, Yesterday was the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King, who uh, was a, a definitely a strong advocate of the nonviolent resistance, but nonviolence not in the way it's been depicted. S- depicted. Yeah, it's non-violence, been whitewashed. Na- na- nonviolence meaning you challenge the power structure. That's right. And he very clearly challenged the power structure. But he himself recognized at a certain point that if you oppress people, to such an extent where you do not let them breathe, then you cannot condemn them when they react and respond to that kind of reality. And so he himself said, and not that what occurred in Gaza was a riot, but he said a riot is nothing but the voice of the voiceless. Wow. And that is very important to remember. Uh, we saw, and, 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 we get, and, and of course, the way the New York Times and the mass media, and also, as Jamal correctly said, Aside from three individuals in the U.S. Senate and Congress, none of our so-called progressives, including John Lewis, a veteran of the civil rights movement, said a word regarding this, or Kamala Harris, who is being depicted as the possibly the next Obama presidential candidate. And depicted as progressive. And depicted as progressive, has said a word. Can you imagine in other circumstances, whether it be the Syrian regime or the Russian government are carrying out such a thing, we would have an uproar. uproar. Yeah, absolutely. There would be resolutions immediately. And, of course, we know that the U.S. Uh, vetoed a motion in the United Nations just to have an investigation of what occurred in Gaza. That's, That's right. unheard of. It's not unheard of. It's, it's too heard of. It's too common. <laughs> and, unfortunately, once again, they did it while carrying out resolutions against other countries. Can I just say something yes. before you say? I, I think this is really important to talk about um, uh, the whole the whole question of Kamala Harris, John Lewis, and we hold we hold these people more accountable because they, they are claim, more accountable. They claim they claim to speak for our communities. And uh, this is unacceptable, actually, for them to side with somebody like the Trump administration and Nikki Haley at the United Nations. I mean, this is this is unacceptable because they diverge positions on everything. So we have the right not only to condemn, but to hold them accountable, to speak for the indivisibility of justice. Because they claim to be for justice everywhere. They need to be cla- to be for justice in Palestine and not basically pick and choose because there is something called APAC, the pro-Israel lobby, that's basically either intimidating them or giving them support and giving them funding and so on. They really need to be accountable. Otherwise, if they are un- un- unaccountable, they are being dishonest. Well, so it's unacceptable. Yeah, it is unacceptable, but we'll take it even a step further, Rabab, about we put this in quotes, the so-called progressive and liberal media was unbearably silent on this too. Yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, mean, we, we, are, we yeah. are entering a new era right now. It used to be that there was a little bit more space for the question of Palestine and Palestinian resistance and self-determination. In my opinion, mm. at least in the media context, in the media context, mm. the progressive or liberal media context, it's, 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 it's not there anymore. I, I, I think that um, it depends where we're looking at because the Washington Post actually has been doing good reporting, has, has done some reporting. Yes, 
there is multiple um, multiple alternative medias from Mundowise to other. They've been writing about it. But the thing is, is as you said, uh, Jess, the idea now from the powers that be is to silence, si- not only silence what's going on, but to also send a message to people who are resisting that your resistance, you'll be shot. You're gonna be not only you're gonna be shot. You're going to be defeated. Right. You're going to be defeated. So it's not worth for you to even try to resist. Number one, and it's not worth for everybody who supports you to quote unquote invest in this struggle. Go on and support something else. And this is this is highly problematic, but it also. As they say, you cannot cover. There's a Palestinian saying that you cannot cover the sun with a with a with a with a little uh, sieve. You can't. The sun comes through. This is what's going on. The resistance is mounting. People are staying on their on their land after 70 years of Nakba, 100 years of uh, Balfour Declaration. After many 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 attacks again and again and again, people are saying we're not going to move off their land. Yeah. We're not moving. We're staying put. And the younger people are saying the same thing as there is a very strong campaign to silence. There is very strong campaign to strong arm. There is uh, the White House. There is the government that's actually very much colluding and covering up for the settlements that we saw. We saw Beit El. We went through Beit El multiple times, which is uh, funded, uh, supported by Kushner and uh, the, the U.S. ambassador, yeah. the U.S. ambassador, Kushner and U.S. ambassador as well. And so we've been, and we actually had to turn around a few times in order for us to be able to get to our appointments on time. So we kept coming through Beit El again and again and again. We saw what's going on, but no matter what they do, no matter how much they try to intimidate and silence and bully. You can't. You can't. You can't stop people's uh, people's struggle for freedom. You can't do that. You can't. And they've been trying. I mean, they've been working on it very hard. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit because you were there and the uh, conference and talk a little bit about the conference, but also it involves the feminist movement in Palestine, and that's I know part of your passion and work. And you've had people joining you all the way from South Africa and yes. Latin America and the United States uh, and, and so forth. But most importantly, the silence. I mean, we know that there is, I mean, to me, this is a systematic conspiracy to basically keep the issue of Palestine buried. And as John Pilger said, Palestine is still the issue. I mean, the issue keeps coming back. And the campaign to silence the plight of Palestinians, and we've been showing our viewers on Facebook, so I want to f- welcome you all, those who are watching us on Facebook. But it also with the story of uh, Ahd al-Tamimi, yes. uh, who we have a poster that you brought with you mm-hmm. from Palestine about Ahd al-Tamimi. T- tell us a little bit about this whole yes. campaign, you know, uh, number one, her her issue and how people there. You went and met with her father, with her family, her and father, her entire her family. family. Her aunt, so her uncle, her cousin who has been beaten up and hit in the head. So we 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 made an effort. We sought first we we sought to go and visit Nabi Saleh where Ahad Tamimi lives first time, and we couldn't do it the first time because what happened is that there were supposed to be a court date, and there was uh, the Israelis prevented the media right. and everybody to come. So they made it a closed court date. We thought if it would be open, we would go and attend, observe to learn. This is of what course. you do as an eyewitness. But we couldn't do that. So her father asked if we could reschedule. And we went and we and he welcomed us and uh, spent time with us. It's very, very difficult, of course, because she has been sentenced to eight months. Her mother has been sentenced to eight months. That's now right. she and her mother are both in prison. Uh, everybody, her father was telling us that Nabi Saleh, 22 people have been martyred in Nabi Saleh. This is the village that every 
every single member of the family has been arrested at one point or another. It's not. It's, uh, I mean, and then and then her young uh, brother, her her, um, her her aunt was assassinated. Her uncle was assassinated. They uh, her father has been multiple times in prison. Her mother has been multiple times in prison. Her brother uh, sought to go visit his sister, and he received the permit. He arrived to visit his sister. The Israelis, after he arrived, they sent him back. I mean, so it's been it's been really difficult. We spoke to her aunt Najiya. We, the, the the it is it's very it's it's so inhuman. It's so inhuman to treat. And then her father also showed us we we, we they're going to be releasing, but he showed us a video of the interrogation that yes, was going on. Yes, it was leaked. 20, 20, yeah. 20, 20, 20 uh, hours. They interrogated her, and this young kid who's seventeen year old sat there in all her dignity and all her silence and refused to even answer her own name. And this is something that actually shows you the strength, shows Absolutely. you the strength of young woman who is continuing. Now, one of the things that we talked about before, Jamal, and, and I think it was in a few uh, um, episodes ago, that the construction of Ahed Tamimi as always questioning what she stands for. Uh, if she is not wearing a hijab, she is condemned. If she's wearing a hijab, she is condemned. I mean, Palestinian, you, you, um, Palestinian and all women who are they, struggling. They, they called yeah. her uh, fake. actor. Fake. They called her fake. They called Moshe Ehrens, the Israeli former Israeli ambassador to the U.S., and Jamal mentioned it in one of the interviews we've had, uh, called them a fake family uh, because she has light hair and blue eyes. Uh, he called her, uh, he said that, and then the Israelis were saying that she provoked the soldiers, but nobody asked what were the soldiers doing there in the first place, just like the snipers in Gaza. Why was the soldier there in, on her land, in her, in her place, right outside of her house? What was he doing there? What, what, what were the Israeli soldiers killing her aunt, uh, assassinating, uh, interrogating her father, uh, hitting her cousin? I mean, it's every single day. And she wasn't doing it only because of her family members, because sometimes they try to put on a psychological individual spin on it. But she is a young woman like other Palestinians, and there is multiple ahads. And this poster, we received it from the women's movement. We went and visited the General Union of Palestinian Students, and they were telling us about what how what Palestinian women through, go through what Palestinian hmm? general union of Palestinian women yes and they were telling us and we've met with multiple um, w women strugglers multiple many of the people who were led including the people who were organizing and Najah and Birzet conference many of them were women not that it is women or men there's everybody works together but uh, th th this is what happens to they the Israelis are trying to kind of tell Palestinian women you need to stay in your place but what's the place of the Palestinian women? Isn't that according to the Palestinian women and the Palestinian people to decide? Exactly. Is, is the Israel deciding and do they really know what the place is? And then when this young kid stands up and says to them, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to be dignified. I'm going to be powerful. They say, no, you're not allowed to do that. Look at her. She's violent. She's aggressive. She's doing this. She's not, be, she's not staying in her place. And the thing is, is that actually responding and being on the defensive and saying, oh, we're going to respond to say what the place is futile. We, do, we shouldn't even do that because no matter what you do, you can never, ever define what the struggle but, is. But People define it, not the not But the there are thousands and thousands of Ahed yes. 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 That's what they, the, isn't, what isn't that the point? Yes. That that's there are, th she's not a unique, yeah. Yeah. she's no. not a unique figure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, what we saw. Said too. Yeah. I mean, Throughout our whole trip, Everywhere we went, from the Nakab to Nablus to Hebron to Jerusalem, you see the young and the old all trying to resist 
in so many different forms. Just staying in their homes is an stay, active, is resistance. active resistance yeah. at a time that you could see in Jerusalem more and more settlers taking space and removing by orders of the former of the mayor of Jerusalem near Barakat, who of course we know tried to visit. We know, well. we know well as a result of his visit to San Francisco State. So there are she is symbolic of the young generation yes. that is continuing the struggle of all previous generations. Uh, and she's one of many other women who are in prison right now, similar to her age, who we have not heard about, who are maybe is not as well known as her family, which because of this particular struggle. But there are many women. That's in right. young women and children, boys and girls, boys and, girls. and who are being tortured, who are being tortured, almost 500 children from 3 to 15 are presently incarcerated and being abused, tortured, and denied basic democratic legal rights. And, and mixed um, up with the adult uh, population that you are not supposed, you're supposed to be, you have to, um, to detain the children in, uh, according to children right. because they're minors. But they actually mix up with the adult population. In this case, the fact that Ahad is being held up not only with her mother but with other older Palestinian women it's, it's a blessing because the Palestinian women, they were telling us on other occasions, we saw them in Nablus, we saw them everywhere. They were saying that one of the main responsibilities is to actually make sure that the kids don't lose time of school. So they take it upon themselves to make sure that the younger children who are with them continue studying. And, and, and even even we, we actually visited with the director of Abu Jihad Museum at Al-Quds University. And he said that he was 10 years in prison. He When he entered prison, he didn't know how to read and write. He learned how to read and write. He got out of prison, got his MA, his PhD, and now he's the director. And this has all happened in prison. And they even showed us letters that somebody wrote on his behalf because he didn't know how to write. And then he had to write and he learned. I mean, this is what's going on in prison. One of the main, uh, as they say in Arabic, humum, uh, the concerns of the Palestinians is that these children go to prison and it's really important for them to finish their high school, to finish their education, to be able to continue because of Because that's education. the only yeah. weapon that Palestinians that's have, exactly. education. Yeah. This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Uh, we're going to be continuing the entire hour talking to Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi and Jaime Veve, who recently returned from uh, Palestine. And we also welcome our viewers on, uh, on Facebook Live. I want to make a connection because you made, we, we started talking about the silencing, the silencing of the Palestinians. The silence, the deafening silence on the plight of the Palestinians, on the massacre in Gaza, on the imprisonment and incarceration of Ahd al-Tamimi. But there is also a campaign to silence Palestinians in the United States. And there is a campaign to silence Palestinians in academia. And we've talked about this topic. Yes. But it's, I mean, you're in a very unique position because, A, You've been under attack at San Francisco State University non-stop, non-stop for years. For years. Uh, you're not receiving any support from the administration to face this attack, and the attack continues. You also just came back to look at Palestinians living, you know, basically clinging onto their homeland. Right. 
and they are also being, you know, facing that deafening silence. Yes. So what's the connection there? Well, I think uh, one of the things that you've began to talk about, Jamal, we are very proud of this project teaching Palestine pedagogical practice and the indivisibility of justice because we were able, despite all these attacks, and actually it was very deliberate too, is that we don't want to be defi- only be defined by defensive campaigns. We have to respond to defensive. We don't have a choice. We get attacked. We have to respond uh, mainly because of the deafening silence, mainly because there isn't quote-unquote even objective reporting that is going on, we have to again and again and again explain and tell our stories again and again and again. So we don't have a choice. We have to do that. That's imposed upon us. But we also wanted to make sure that we are able to define and have a productive agenda. So this project that has been really amazing because we did it with Birzeit University. We did it with Al-Najah National University. Uh, One of the main eminent scholars in the U.S., Robin Kelly, went at his own expense, paid his own way, and came to Palestine and spoke at the two conferences, you know, keynoted the conference along with me. And uh, we have, we had an amazing group. We had three people come from South Africa. We had a scholar from Haiti. We had scholars from uh, Chilean community in, uh, Palestinian community in Chile. We had three indigenous uh, folks. We had people from uh, students. We had um, undergraduates. We have graduate students. We have postdocs. We had multiple ways in which these communities who are participating in the production of knowledge were there and people gave presentations and people at Birzeit gave papers and it was at An-Najah too and we had in An-Najah maybe we had what 500 students coming throughout and it's wow. very interesting because the way you know how, uh, the attack against us about An-Najah uh, the Zionist uh, campus watch and so on they always portray only men in the pictures and now An-Najah we were I used to say over 50% they were saying at least 70% of the campus campus population is female, but it is not conducive and it's not beneficial to the Zionists to actually admit show that, this, yeah. to show the complexity, to show the diversity in Palestine. But but so we did the conferences. They were incredible. They were amazing. And maybe Jaime can speak more to that. And then what we did is we went on a study tour, study trip throughout Palestine in the in the West Bank, as well as in the 48 areas. So as Jaime said, we visited Nukab. Hebron, Bethlehem, Deisha Refugee Camp, Jerusalem, Nablus, Abu Jihad Museum. We went to visit the Samaritan community in the north of Nablus, which is a small Jewish community that's part of the Palestinian community. We went to Nazareth, to Haifa, to Akka, to Yaffa, to Lid, uh, to Ain Hod. And next week we have a big event and I would like to invite everybody. It's the 70th anniversary of the Deir Yassin massacre. So we have a teach next Wednesday from 4 to uh, 10 that the first one is going to be about Ayanhod, actually, we are we are going to show a film. We are going to be joined by Aurora Levine Morales, who and is one teaching of at San Francisco State, State University, and it's open to the public. It's open to the public, and it's in the College of Ethnic Studies in uh, Ethnic Studies Psychology Room 116. We're hoping that the Zionists on campus are not going to try to pressure us as they did last time, but we're going to be standing up for our rights, and we're going to have Aurora Levine Morales, who's a co-founder of Jews of Color. We are also having another film in the evening. The film by Dr. Ahlam Muhtasab, who made a film about 1948 uh, creation and catastrophe about the Nakba. And we're going to have a post screening discussion with members of Jewish uh, Jews, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, other people on campus and so on. Yeah. So the fact that you're even speaking about that, Rabab, I I have to ask you this question. Go ahead. There has been a radical transformation at San Francisco State with a single statement. Yes. And I think we need to really go into detail about this. Nowhere in the academy, 
in the modern era has a university president made such a blatantly hateful, racist, xenophobic comment as President Wong of San Francisco State. And recently he publicly came out and said the following, Zionists are welcome at San Francisco State University. This is an earthquake of a comment in the academy. And I mean, we were saying before, and it's as if you're saying to the KKK. I'm waiting for him to say what supremacists are welcome. are welcome. KKK is welcome. Uh, David Horowitz is welcome. Richard Spencer is welcome. Neo-Nazis are welcome. Homophobes are welcome. Misogynists are welcome. Why stop only at Zionists? Welcome them all. I mean, bring the whole the whole club. Bring everybody who is right-wing and racist. Bring them to campus. Why only stop at Zionists? If you are you are saying Zionists are welcome, everybody else should be welcome. Bring the whole gang. I mean, and, and this is, it's very troubling. And what, I, what I've done, actually, when I saw the statement, I was very troubled. So I wrote a statement of my own. And I said, this is, this is, I'm embarrassed. And I demand that the president, I continue to demand that he retract the statement and that San Francisco State reclaims its social justice mission. Especially, especially, we are, we are this year commemorating the, the 50th anniversary of the 1968 longest student strike in the history of the United States. That's right. That was led by the Black Student Union. And Terry Collins is a member of this station here. He's our comrade, our mentor, our brother, our, you know, he's been, he's been always for us and all the strikers have been for, uh, with us. And this is a black student union and third world liberation Front that demanded the decolonizing of the colon, of the curriculum. That's what, that's why the, 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 the strike came out to say, we need to study about our lived communities. We don't want to only be studying about the ways in which white supremacy defines Black experience, indigenous experience. So we're Asian going level. back. We're going and then, back. And then we're coming. We come and you say, oh, Zionists are welcome. And the interesting thing is that, and we haven't had a chance to actually even talk about it. But everywhere we went in Palestine, everywhere, people will t- start telling us how Zionism has been uh, the, 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 this privileging Palestinian has been excluding them, has been expelling them of their land. It continues until today to demolish homes, continues to get tickled children. Everywhere, everywhere. I mean, it's not, it's not something, it's not our figment of our imagination. No, no, I'm it's so, not. It's I'm not. sorry if this is what the way the Zionists define themselves. This is the way they define themselves. And for him saying Zionists are welcome because he feels that the universe should be accountable to private corporation donors instead of being accountable to the public is a huge problem. My it's question. My yeah, question yeah. is, how many times have you seen, since you've been at San Francisco State University now for how many years? It's 11 years. Have you seen a similar letter sent out? Jamal, I have never just even saying, been called just by saying, the university. No, no, just saying mean? not even Zionists are welcome, just welcoming other communities like no. Puerto Ricans are welcome, Latinos Blacks. are welcome, African Americans are welcome. Any other group? No, no, no. So why Actually, now? Why now for you know? Uh, why think, now for I one? I think this is part of a pattern, and I think it's really important to note that San Francisco State also refused to remove a white supremacist poster. That's right. In 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 December last year. And the reason they said they said they're going to go into remove because they did not remove the wanted style uh, posters that David Horowitz and Canary Mission put about me and about the students at San Francisco State. And we said you they're not even authorized to put up these posters. Where is the police? They said, oh, there is no cameras. The police is nowhere to see. Okay, first one. Second, three, four. We had four poster campaigns on campus Four, two two weeks ago as well. How come nobody speaks about that? And uh, President Wong has never actually mentioned my name when we were attacked by about uh, the co- collaboration with Najah National University. He just said, 
we we support all agreements. Our faculty is involved and we support all agreements. And there is no other agreements has been attacked. He didn't mention me. He only mentioned me last week. And the way I heard about it is because there was a campus watch tweet praising President Wang for welcoming Zionists to campus and saying that I only speak for myself. Okay, I, de I definitely, I do speak for myself, but I also speak for Voices for Justice because after I put out my statement, Palestinian students put out a statement, Black Student Union put out a statement, Black residents put out, a new group came out called Jews Against Zionism on campus. The Women and Gender Studies program came out with a statement. Jewish Voice for Peace came out with a statement. Obviously, I don't just speak for myself, but... If President Wang speaks for the university, we have something called faculty governance, which means the Senate is supposed to actually have discussed this and say, this is the position of the university. They haven't done he that. Is speaking, he's, speaking, he's speaking as the executive branch, but he doesn't speak for whole San Francisco State. It's exactly like Trump come, gets up and says, I speak for the whole United States. No, you don't. There is Congress, the Supreme Court. There are separation of powers. I, everybody criticizes some Arab countries and said, oh, there is authoritarian. And I agree. Egypt is very authoritarian. We have multiple authoritarian governments and we, we criticize them and we are against and we support the movements against them. San Francisco State is behaving the same way. Why doesn't it get held up to the same standard? Well, I'm asking you that question, Rabab. Why, why hasn't the faculty, Senate and other branches of governance within the university? Uh, you want my honest opinion? Yeah. I think people are really afraid. Mm. I think it's uh, intimidation. Brooke, Brooke Goldstein said two years ago before they started the, the lawsuit against me and the university and before they, they raged, they, they escalated their attacks that we are going to exact a heavy price. We're going to teach people what does it mean if they continue to speak up for Palestine and for justice and, and for Palestine. And she mentioned San Francisco State in her video. Okay? Right. She said that Palestinians didn't exist and Islamophobia doesn't exist and so on. So what they are doing is they are intimidating people and I think people are really afraid. People are afraid and we know how the academy works. I mean just you're part of the academy you know that if you if you don't toe the line if you are not quote unquote team players the fellowship disappear the promotions disappear Support the support disappear all of a sudden all this paperwork starts piling up that has never been used the bureaucracy is used against you and i'm experiencing all of this stuff i mean we have i don't want to i don't want to take away from the amazing experience we had in palestine and i'm not trying to not speak about it i will speak about what's going on at san francisco state but this is something that's actually specific specifically intended to derail, to distract from the work we are doing, to basically get us so busy with all these attacks and all these suits again, one, again and again and again. So we wouldn't do what we are doing, which is teaching Palestine, which producing scholarship about Palestine, which is actually making San Francisco State the global university that the administration claims that San Francisco State is. They want to be a global university and, without actually going global. And you are one of the very few professors who... Who's doing this? Yeah, really? yeah, yes, because and, it's my responsibility. And, 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 and you've grown the program. You uh, have also now a, uh, with Al-Najah University, a memorandum of understanding. Yes, right? and, and we are going to have one with Birzet as well. And with Birzet yes. University. Yeah. So you're taking, you know, you're taking the, uh, class, taking the classes seriously. out of the classroom, yes. right? So and this is the way, this is San Francisco State as a public university. This is what's, uh, what it's supposed to do. So let's let, let, uh, let's let's go back and uh, we'll go back also both of you to again we have Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi and Jaime Weber right here with us in the studio and let's go back to the uh, students that you met over mm -hmm. there and talk about that. You wanted to say something else? Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say uh, before we we speak about the students and our experiences uh, in Palestine that at San Francisco State. The struggle is reflective of what is happening in 
the academy in the U.S., the corporatization of the educational system in which there is the de-escalation of critical thinking, historical understanding, and the de-emphasizing of the humanities and the, and, and the socio- social studies. The University in Madison just recently made an announcement that they're going to eliminate history, sociology, political philosophy from the curriculum and emphasize, of course, science, computer technology, so that critical thinking, the very nature of the struggle of 68 at San Francisco State is being challenged. So, And Wong, President Wong at San Francisco State, reflects that thinking. At the the same time, corporatization of the university. $80 million was spent on a new sports complex at San Francisco State. Meantime, the College of Ethnic Studies is functioning on a shoestring budget. And I want to also say something else is that there it's, it's very interesting because it is the way to deepen the gap between the haves and the have-nots. So it is as if only elite universities, and I'm a graduate of elite universities, so I, I know what it is. Elite universities, I believe, are supposed to be able to engage in the thinking, the luxury of philosophy, the reading of the books and so on. But public universities, the students are only supposed to go to vocational training because they are supposed to be produced as citizens to serve on the people who That's graduate right. from elite universities. So this is actually a serious problem. It's a serious problem that the state is not funding the university and what you need to do is go back to the state and say we need funding. We need public funds for public universities. We need funds to educate the kids who are the first in their, uh, their families to go to college. The, the kids who are the children of the undocumented. The kids who are on multiple loans. The kids who have three or four jobs and still want to learn and still come enthusiastically debate, argue and, 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 and trying to even afford the kind of books. We actually don't charge books. I mean even my own book I don't even assign the whole book. I give them PDF. So they can, they, because they need to read, they need to learn. And this is what the university is trying to transform itself into, nothing but another company. It and is that's a- actually, that's a crime because education is a human right and people really don't understand that. This is what Jamal says, why do you do this? Because it's my responsibility. Nobody goes into the academy because they want but to I make think money. That, and then, and you go because you want to teach, you obviously, want to learn. But that helps explain why, I mean, just to bring it full circle, who, who is President Wong's master? It's not the state. It's not the president. It's, it's supposed to be the state, but it's not. It's really the corporate and big elite donors now yes, yes. who are direct, who have this agenda. Yes, who and are there tr- is an agenda. There is an agenda. Is specific everywhere, but they seem to have picked California. And it's the right wing, by the way. It's not just the Zionists. No, it's the right Milos wing. Because Milos and Coulter, all of them tried to come to Berkeley because they want to snap any possibilities of free speech, any possibilities of what the legacy of 68 has done, any possibilities of decolonizing the curriculum. So there is de-emphasis on the, well, the learning process, and there is more emphasis on the graduate the students and get them out of here. You know, just get them out of here so they can have the degrees. So it becomes only a credentialist society. The degree... It is not, and the students are hungry. They want to learn because they they have inquisitive minds. They're smart. They are critical. They want to learn, and this is the, the situation we are faced we saw, with. And this is what we saw in Palestine that was very uh, exciting. That, contrary to the attacks against the universities as being terrorist recruitment centers, we saw young people, both young men and young women, with an immense 
interest and curiosity of wanting to exchange and dialogue, literally the, in the best of fashion word, dialogue, <laughs> with us about the U.S., politics, why is it that the U.S. has a certain political view, what is it about Trump that we view as a danger, young people who came to hear from, from uh, Robin Kelly, who is a noted African-American historian, brilliant, who has written so much about the black American experience, experience, listening uh, to uh, uh, Rabab. So you went, you went to teach and learn. Actually. We went to teach and learn. We actually learned. We, we exchanged, but we also learned. We heard from the young generation. We had a, a, a session just with the young people. What is it? Well, like over, over maybe 200 people attended really? it. It was just an impromptu workshop for one hour. Wow. And we had people speaking about South African apartheid, about what's going on in the U.S., about what's going on with indigenous communities, the, the whole Chilean question community. of the movement for black lives, uh, Chilean uh, young Palestinians, I mean, and, and the students. And then they also came to the, to the hotel. We were supposed to go to sleep and rest because the next day we were leaving. And then they came and stayed for three, four hours. The students went to discuss the, and challenge. And there's a hunger and there's a hunger their own professors too they challenge their own professors yeah, they ask questions the best tradition of critical thinking uh, it was it was a dream come true and I'm, this is something this is why we do all these events too I mean this is why we're doing the event next week and ironically and, yeah. and it was very interesting because the students challenged some of the professors professors who have a long history many of them who were leaders of uh, what's called the first intifada who are professors now, and this young generation challenged them. And they also, that makes me happy. and the very nature of the university, the struggle within Palestine, Mir said, who is a historic university, and a job. There is also an issue there about the role that it plays in society and, and, and the way it's being challenged by also what we understand as the neoliberal mm-hmm. corporate, corporate orientation, That's which right. is also reflected there. We saw mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Well, and it yeah. was discussed. I mean, there's an open. Analysis and debate about just the political leadership in Palestine Absolutely. right now. Absolutely, and it was. Let's that. just and say there's more open debate at Lanajah and San Francisco and and, uh, and Birzeit University, which yeah. are under occupation, than here that's supposed to be the most open society. And this is what. And, and I would say, by the way, what yeah. they did is they already put out the press releases, and Najah already put out multiple videos from the presentations. I mean, there, it's already out there because they want to make it accessible to their. To so their we have. We, want to continue we have few minutes left. I want you to talk about what's next. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, what's next for what? What here and what's here? next <laughs> and what's so, yeah, next, yeah, yeah. you know, for more collaboration, okay, more so travel, more teaching. Palestine, for Ahmed, we have actually we, we've succeeded to have multiple courses for the fall. So we have, I think, about six or seven courses. We can talk about them in the future. We're really excited about that. And we can't we, There is no space for the students. Students want to keep coming and learning and joining courses. And you saw yesterday the attendance. We are the teaching for Pal- teaching Palestine. We are actually going to do a, a conference in South Africa already. Wow. We already Great. have been invited to Standing Rock. Because the people from Sanding Rock wanted to come to Palestine, but they are facing lawsuits and so on. They couldn't do it. Uh, we're going to do one in France. We are going to do one in multiple universities around here and uh, around uh, the U.S. And there is much more going on. And we are going to be producing joint curriculum. We are talking about how do you how do you do a collaborative agreement? You have student exchange. You have faculty exchange. You write together. You teach together. We were talking about how do we team teach a course online? 
between Palestine and here. I mean, there is multiple, and we actually, Birzat and Anajah both wanted to have an annual conference. So we are going to be back. We're going to be bringing more people. And it is, it's just been very exciting. So that's one thing. Ahmed is growing. The other thing. And the last thing is the whole question of the lawsuit that we're going to be defeating it again because everyone knows it's a bogus lawsuit that they keep coming and coming and coming because they have unlimited amount of funds. They have unlimited amount of lawyers who are defending. And I have amazing lawyers, Mark and Behnam. And we, and we have an amazing coalition of people in the community of justice who are standing by us, who are supporting us, who are saying we're not going to lose the struggle at San Francisco State because this is a place that is also the, part of the struggle of the academic freedom, academic freedoms, part of the struggle for justice, part of the struggle for all in the United States. So we are we, we have our work cut out for us and we would like your listeners to and your viewers to come and join us next week, next Wednesday, 4 to 9.45 p.m., Two films, we're going to show 500 Dunums on the Moon and uh, 1948 uh, Creation and, and Catastrophe. We're going to have discussion. Come and we need your support. We need you to support. We need you to raise your voices high and say that this is not okay. We are not going to allow the voices of justice to be silent. That's the voice of Professor Rabab Abdulhadi, Professor of Ethnic Studies and the director of the Ahmed uh, Department Institute at San Francisco State. We're so delighted to have you with us, Thank Professor you. Abdulhadi. We also have Jaime Veve, who is a historic figure on the labor uh, <laughs> organizing side in New York and union and labor organizing. We we feel like we stole you from New York, Jaime, and <laughs> and yes. the boroughs, man. So we're we're very <laughs> delighted to to have you here in the Bay. I know you go back and forth, but. Uh, we feel like we got lucky that uh, that you're here. We want to thank our listeners, obviously, uh, for joining us today on Facebook Live here at KPOO.com. Share the video. You, you can go to SoundCloud if you'd like to hear this show, or you can go to our website, our website which is www.arabtalkradio.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, Jamal Dajani 2. And I want to have a shout-out to our Editor, oh, the our editor is just uh, hey Matt, Matt Devries. Uh, Matt, thank you for all your hard work and dedication to the show. Send us your comments to ArabTalk at kpoo.com. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.